You are listening to Mom's Back to Business podcast. This podcast is for mothers who are thinking about starting a business, running a business, and offering tools and tips for everything in between. Let's start the show. Mom's Back to Business podcast is brought to you by The Admin Source Firm, where we help improve and automate your business processes so you can focus on growing your business. If you find yourself working on your administration more than working in your business, go ahead and visit adminsourcefirm.com and see how we can help you streamline your processes so you can get back to generating the revenue. Hey, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Mom's Back to Business Podcast. This is your host, Kanitha, and this is episode number 16. And today I'm going to be talking with a boss mom, Lisa Ridd. Lisa is the CEO of Smitten Films, and Smitten Films is based out of Tribeca, New York City. And it became a solution for having all those videos and photos that you have in your phone and turning those into home videos. And one of the things that I actually really like about Lisa's company is that she hires other moms. A company full of moms. Like I absolutely love that. Had to get her on the interview here. And um, she's going to be dropping some amazing gems about how she scaled her business um, and built her business basically bootstrapped from the ground up. So I hope you guys really enjoy the interview. Let's get into it. All right. And we are here today with Lisa Ridd. Lisa started her career on Wall Street. She then left to follow her passion of film production in London, leading her to create Smitten Films, which is based in Tribeca, New York City. As a solution for the countless unused photos and videos we all amass on our smartphones, which she experienced after having her first child and documenting every minute of it. Lisa is also now a mother of four. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, great. I'm I'm really good. Thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. Well, thanks for, you know, being a part. I really love talking to people that are out there doing it in the world and they're living their passions and dreams and raising babies. So I'm excited. Um, let's go ahead and get into a little bit about you. Can you tell us about how many, well, you have the four kids. What are their ages? So Jude is 10. Um, then there's Poppy, who is eight. And then we have Hudson, who just turned five last month. And then we have Oliver, who just turned one yesterday. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, happy birthday, Oliver. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, and I just have to say, if I ever had a third boy, because I have two boys, I wanted to name him either Jude or Judah. So I'm no kind way. Of, yes. <laughs> oh, it's such a great name. Well, if you do, then enjoy. <laughs> I ain't having no more. I'm done. <laughs> it's okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. And tell us a little bit about Smitten Film. So you've actually started this because film was one of your passions. And then of course, you know, as a mom, family is, is a passion as well too. How did you, when did this start? When did you start this? And when did you say like, this is what I want to do with my life? <laughs> well, it was 
so I, you know, like it said in my bio, I started off in finance, which was a job that was, you know, I was kind of supposed to do, but I never, ever, ever enjoyed it. Um, and I moved, I was transferred from New York City to London with the bank that I was working for. And after like another year and a half, the, my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, was really encouraging me. He's like, you're miserable, like leave and go, you know, follow your dreams. You've always wanted to work in film. So I did. But then a year and a half, uh, into my time in film production, I had my first baby. And I don't know if you know much about production, but it's not very conducive to having a child because you would, you know, a week before you'd have to be in Germany for two weeks, you would find out that you would have to go to Germany for two weeks and how you were supposed to arrange childcare and all that stuff. So I found myself as a stay-at-home mom and like unexpectedly a stay-at-home mom. And I, I really struggled with it. Um, but I, you know, it was kind of the advent of the smartphone. This was 2009. And so I was taking all these pictures and videos of my, my son and, but I didn't know what to do with it. You know, I had like a DSLR, I had a smartphone, I had a handheld video camera. So I had all this stuff across all these different devices, but I didn't have a way to enjoy it all in one place. And the other thing is because I was in London, I was far away from my friends and my family and I really wanted them to experience like Jude's chat. You know, I wasn't really doing Facebook, there was no Instagram, um, you know, and I just, felt like they were missing out on all this stuff. So around the time that Jude was turning one, I thought to myself, well, I don't know how to edit, but I've sat in enough edits that I understand like, okay, if you cut your footage this way, you can make people laugh. If you cut your footage, the same footage, a different way, you can make people cry. And if you use this kind of music, you can evoke this kind of reaction. So I understood those principles and I knew how to tell a story. I just needed to teach myself the technical skills. So I taught myself how to edit. And I made my very first smitten film, which I gave to my husband for his birthday, uh, which synced up really nicely with my son's first year as well. And and like everybody was blown away. Like my, all my our friends and family were completely smitten with the idea. And I thought, okay, if I'm having this problem and it evokes this reaction for me and for all the people in my life, surely there are other moms out there who are experiencing the same thing. And that initial thesis. Um, has proven to be very true, um, and I, but I didn't actually start the business until I moved back to New York uh, about three years later. So it was like 2013, 2012, 2013. I'd had another kid at that point. We got transferred back to New York, um, and I knew that that was a time to launch it because uh, New York is just a much better market for that kind of service. The UK is not as like outsourcing. They, people don't outsource as much there. So I knew that it was not the right place, place for me to launch the business. So I did have to wait a little bit. Um, but during that time, I really tested the product and the service. And I was like, okay, well, obviously I can make films for myself, but can I make films for other people? And so I did a lot of stuff for free for friends. Um, and then I was like, okay, I can make films for friends, but can I make films for people who I've never met before? So I had friends introduce me to friends of theirs and I would make films for them and sort of, I really tested it um, over that time period. And um, yeah, by the time we moved back to New York, I was ready to go. I was ready to hit the ground running and figure out the legal and, you know, operational logistics that I needed to figure out to get this thing off the ground. That's, that's fantastic, actually. So <laughs> one thing that I've actually have been learning is business validation. And that is validating your business idea to make sure that whatever you're going into, people actually want to buy it, right? Yeah. 
And right. so that's exactly what you spent your time doing was the business validation. So I do want to ask a little bit about that too. Mm -hmm. Now, when you had this idea and you've done it for yourself and, and girl, let me tell you how many photos I have. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like those little videos, the little video snippets, but I'm always in my phone, like, Ooh, don't want to use up too much memory. So let me cut right. it. Short. Yes. So, I mean, but my mom back in the day has like all the old VHS tapes of like us when we were little. Yeah. I would love to have that too. Um, yeah. But when you were um, basically, you know, going through all your videos and your photos and you're making this and you're like, oh, can I do this for other people? Did you have questions that you asked them? Did you go out and like survey people or was it just strictly off of the referrals and um, that kind of kept coming in. And did they tell you how much they would charge and if there was packages that were involved? And how did you get those, um, basically that business strategy down through that validation period? So I didn't have the business strategy down during that validation period. I really let it be a, a real experiment, like a creative experiment. And turning it into a business came later you know when I said I was ready to hit the ground running in New York that was that was the turning point where I was like right so I know creatively I can make this work but how can I commoditize is the wrong word because every film we make is still like very highly customized it's a very high touch service and there's a lot of hours that go into every single film because we look at every single picture and every frame of every single video that a client sends over to us and we choose only the absolute best and it's a it's definitely a process um, but I, I needed to understand, okay, how much time goes into making every single film? Well, we need to build a model. And for that model, we need to have data. So that's, you know, when I was making those free films, I was tracking all the time that it took me to make each single one. And so by the time I was ready to start doing this um, and charge people for it, I had a sense of how many hours it was going to take. I always knew that I wanted, you know, we were going to charge one day $150 an hour. And so I thought, well, we might not be worth that right now, but I know that that's where we will be. And I'm going to, I'm not the kind of person who wanted to be increasing prices every year. So I actually started off at that point, knowing that there was a lot of room to improve. Um, and and I, I wanted to just kind of, you know, I, I had, I didn't know if people were willing to pay that price because there isn't much competition in what I do. So it's not like I could under already go in there knowing, ah, here we are placed, you know, we're higher than these people, we're lower than these people. We were kind of the pioneers. Um, there was nobody else doing what we were doing. So it was, it was, it was tough to figure that part out for sure. Like, how do I turn this, what is really a creative process into a streamlined business and that took time. And I would say with each bit of information I learned, I sort of tweaked the business model a little bit. And there have been multiple iterations, you know, like two years into the, or a year and a half into the business, I hired some consultants to come and sort of analyze, you know, what is the most profitable thing that I'm doing here? Again, I had all this data, but I didn't really know how to like mine the data to understand what are the things I should be focusing on? How can I be projecting for the future? How can I scale this business? Because I was like, I know that there's more potential here, but I don't know how to scale something that is so, that is such a high touch service. You know, it's not as obvious as like, okay, here's a product. Let's sell more of this product or let's sell, you know, a new product to the same audience that we already have. Like that wasn't what, you know, that's not the business model for a high touch service. And I didn't, I don't 
I don't know anybody who runs the same kind of business that I do. So I had to outsource um, understanding that. And that was like a real turning point for me. I realized, oh, I can actually split my, the process of making a film up into these different steps. And those steps can be outsourced accordingly. So I hired another editor. Uh, eventually, then I hired more editors. And then I hired a client services person. So at this point, I don't actually make any of the films anymore. But I mean, that whole process to like understand what I wanted, what the direction that I wanted the business to go in and um, how I wanted to scale it. I mean, that took years and years and years. Like these things do not happen overnight. You cannot Amazon prime your (laughs) business success. I mean, there are of course these success stories that everybody hears about, but for me, it's been like one, one foot in front of the other for years and years and years. And, and I've made mistakes and I've had to, you know, scale back certain things and, um, there have been a lot of different iterations. I'm sorry. I'm like, I answered that question in such a long winded way, but I, what I really want to say is um, it takes time and it takes testing and it takes just trying things. And I do think that it takes saying yes to things that you might not be ready or prepared to say yes to, but know that you can figure it out. And that's different to fake it till you make it. Cause I don't believe in faking anything, but I do believe in saying yes. And then using your, like all of your energy, intelligence, resources, whatever, to figure out how to make that thing happen in a really great way. I think that has been a common theme with most of the people that I interview. And I absolutely love it because it just, it lets me know like you're, you're doing fine. So it's yeah. one of those things where it's like, you will figure it out. Like if you yeah. have, you know, majority of things in place, like you'll figure it out. Yeah. And, and have that confidence. Yes. Yes. And which actually last week, um, I interviewed someone who does, who was doing a little spiel on confidence. So <laughs> oh, right. there we go. Dovetails together perfectly. Yeah. So what did that look like when you had, cause you pretty much had two kids at this point, right? When you moved back to New York and you were like, hey, I'm, I want to make this a business. How yes. and why did you do that? <laughs> so, I mean, in terms of like having more kids, actually, I always wanted to have three kids, but once we had two and then I launched the business, it was really like, oh my God, now I have three kids. Like I was only working three days a week when I first launched the business and everything was growing very organically and very much in control of the way that, you know, I still wanted to be more a mom than I wanted to be a businesswoman and entrepreneur. That sort of shifted right around the time that we, when I decided I wanted to scale the business, right around the time we decided, you know, we can't let my company get in the way of us having the family that we always sort of envisioned. And so I was like, okay, well, like saying yes to things that you might not be ready for, like, let's just do this and we're going to figure it out. And my husband has always been my biggest supporter. Like he was the one who encouraged me to leave a career, even though there was this like crystal clear path to managing director and all sorts of, you know, important positions. Um, he really encouraged me to leave because he knew I was unhappy. And then he really encouraged me to smart, to, to start smitten because he knew I was struggling as a stay at home mom. And he knew that I needed, um, something else, another outlet. Um, and now that, you know, smitten is a thriving business that we've never taken outside investment for. He is the one who looks at the PL with me every month to make sure that things are headed in the right direction. So he's supportive, but he's, but he's tough. So anyway, back to your question. Um, it was really tough sort of scaling the business, being pregnant and then having a third child. And, and then, you know, at that point I kind of had already taken the business at this next level. And then I was by myself working full time 
And um, there are parts of me that are a little sad that I worked full time for number three and number four. Um, and I gave so much more to number one and number two. Um, but I also know that I'm doing something that I love so much and that is like doing so much for so many families around the world. I really believe in the higher purpose of what we do and that we bring families closer together because they can enjoy the experiences that they've already created and it actually inspires them to go on and create more experiences. Like I really fundamentally believe in that higher purpose. So I balance the, you know, not being around as much as I was for number one, and number two with like the knowledge that I'm inspired and fulfilled doing what I want to do, you know, six, seven, eight hours a day, because I am still sometimes doing drop-offs and pickups and, um, you know, spend, I, I mean, I spend three to four hours a day with my kids. For me, that's kind of, that's just about enough. I mean, obviously I wish I could do more, but, um, anyway, all that to say, um, it is not easy and I am still figuring it out all the time because our kids' needs are changing. And, you know, adding a fourth one to the mix, having a baby and having like an almost tween, those are like two really different ends of the spectrum to be juggling. And so it is, it's hard. It's really hard. <laughs> I bet. So does the oldest one help out with the little one? Totally. The first, the, I mean, all of the, you know, we have a pretty big age gap between two and three and three and four. So one, two, and three are actually amazing with the baby. And, you know, we have a full-time nanny and, um, it, and we have lots of friends who help out with carpooling and all sorts of stuff because my nanny and I cannot be in four different places at once. <laughs> so <laughs> there's like a whole support squad. Unfortunately, I don't live that close to my family. Um, it's just my dad now, unfortunately, but my dad is like all the way down in Virginia, so he can't come and help out. My in-laws are still in London, so we don't have family that can help us out, but we have a lot of friends and, and we have, you know, our nanny. Yes. And I feel that, you know, that's how you do it. You know, you build, if you, even if you don't have family, you have friends, you have that support system where you can toss some kids here and there and you can take some yeah. here and there. <laughs> totally. Chuck them in the car. See you later. Yes, yes. And, you know, and I, you know, I haven't left the city that I, that I live, grew up in. Right. So, yeah. you know, I know people here from, you know, like my whole life. So although I dream of moving away to the coast of California one day, but you know, oh, one day. <laughs> that sounds amazing, but it is also familiarity is really nice. Like we've recently moved like a year and a half ago to a new town and it's, um, you know, you have to start all over again with that support network and it's, it's not that easy. Yeah. You know, and I think about that often because, you know, my whole family is here. So, you know, yeah. if I want to do something, I'm calling up, you know, like three different people, you know, right. <laughs> hey, exactly. who's, who's available, you know? So right. yeah, it works out great. And especially, um, you know, now that my kids are older and I don't have to pay for daycare anymore. Woohoo! Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. It is like an accomplishment. <laughs> That's how I feel. So, yeah. you know, it just, it makes life easier. And like you said beforehand, there's different stages that they all go through. So, you know, yeah. at the beginning, I found it to be extremely rough. I did not sleep, but you know, I had that passion that just kind of drove me to, to building out. So everything, and, you know, I kind of bootstrapped everything, um, a year ago. So Wow. Two years ago, actually. So, and, and it was extremely hard. And so <laughs> that's why I was like, yes. I could be the only one going through this. Exactly. 
You are not, as I'm sure you've discovered interviewing so many women. Yes, yes. That's why I love doing these talks. Absolutely. So would you say that you being the entrepreneur that you are, and I'm assuming that your husband is still working full time. Is that correct? He does as well. Yes. Okay. So how do you think that affects the children that see you guys, you know, working and making it happen? And you guys, I mean, you're the boss, right? So you're yeah. not going having to go to work. How does that affect your children? It's so interesting. My kids are really starting to clue in to what I do and what it means. I did a couple other like podcasts recently and they are absolutely convinced that I'm famous. <laughs> um, they they love my work because they get to see the films that are you know I don't get to make our films anymore but the uh, the editors who work for Smitten um, you know the the films that they create that my kids are the stars of and they watch them all the time and you know the reason I know that like we're doing something right for families is because we're doing something so right for my family. When we all sit down and we watch our Smitten films together and we reminisce about, oh my God, can you believe that trip and that thing that we did with the waterfall and the snake and the monkeys and um, it's magical. And so I think my kids, like they know and they understand what I do. They love the product and they see me, like I never talk about like, oh, I have to go to work. I always say, I get to do this. I get to do that. I'm so lucky. And that wasn't the way for um, me growing up with my mom. She stayed at home and I think that she was a little bit restless. Um, and I, she was so, so, so committed to us and she was always, always there for us. And I will never, ever forget that. It really gave me a huge sense of confidence and sense of place in the world. But I do think that she was always sad that she didn't have something else. And I know that my kids will not feel the same way about me. Uh, and I don't think that they will think, oh, mommy's always working because last week, for example, we all, we went to Disney world together and I was very much like 100% focused on them. I'm able to put my out of office on and not check my email. And that is a culture that I build for my entire company. Nobody's expected to check email when they're on vacation. You know, you're, you're out of office and like, that's it because we employ all moms. So Everyone gets it. So I think my kids are, you know, they've talked about how they want to work for my company. When they're older, my daughter wants to take over my company. They've started dabbling in making iMovies, you know, themselves on their iPads. It's really cute. Um, they recently un like learned how to sync music with their pictures and videos. And my daughter's making a, a her very first smitten film that she will show on her birthday at school. Like she's already prepared the entire thing. Her birthday is not till April third. This is we're at February twenty fourth, and she's already working on it. So I think by and large they're inspired. I think that I am not missing out on too much um, of their childhoods. I feel very present and very involved and like invested in everything that they're doing. So I think we are at, at for the moment, I think that we're in a really good place. Um, and I hope that that continues. But should my family's needs change, I can always shift things down in my business. And that's what is so great about being your own boss. Absolutely. So you said you feel like you're always present. Is there anything that you felt like you've had to sacrifice family-wise for the business? Yeah. You know, like when we moved to the new town a year and a half ago, I felt like I wasn't there at pickup for my kids every day and making like those sort of reinforcing those friendships that they were making in the classroom with like the other parents at pickup. 
um, it, I feel like it took my kids a longer time. I mean, my son was in fourth grade when we moved and I think it took him a longer time to transition into this new town because I wasn't there at pickup to be like, Hey, do you guys want to like get together? You want to come over? You want to hang out? Um, so I think that that, you know, I think that made our transition a little bit harder. And so I can't go back and change that. Um, and I would say at this point, it doesn't matter anymore. Like he's made his friends and he's like, you know, comfortable and settled in. But it definitely took longer than um, I would have thought. And I do think part of it is because I wasn't around as much as I could have been. Gotcha. Do you think that, because um, you said, you know, they're kind of getting it, they're kind of clicking it. Um, so the values that you want to instill in them for when they get older, um, what, 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 what does that look like? What is, what do you want them to learn most? Well, I want them to learn integrity and care in everything that you do. I don't think that it always has to be like, Oh, I'm passionate about this. I think that's can kind of misguide people a little bit. Um, I think that you have to care about what you do and I think it has to inspire something in you. Uh, but I always want them to do whatever it is they do with integrity, pride, and care. Integrity, pride, and care. I like that. Thanks. <laughs> so um, what does a typical day in the life of Lisa look like? So my husband wakes up at four o'clock every morning and there are a lot of mornings. I know. Um, there are a lot of mornings where I join him because it means that I can get quite a few hours of work done before the kids wake up. The kids are generally up around 630. I'm still breastfeeding. So I like will be breastfeeding the baby as I'm making breakfast and packing lunch for the other three. Um, my nanny is here by eight o'clock and um, the older two catch the bus. The third one gets taken to his um, nature preschool, which is literally just running around in a forest with sticks um, <laughs> at nine o'clock by my nanny. And then the baby is usually like napping. So at that point, I've run out. I've already done my workout. I'm usually at a workout place by 8.30 or doing an, a home workout at 8.30. And that's like my self-care every day, whether it's yoga or bar, tennis, uh, soccer. Like I love being active. I love playing sports. I love being outside. So I have to do that every day. And then I come home. I'm working from home right now um, because of the baby and because of the breastfeeding. And I work usually for six, seven hours straight. And then I am usually off the clock and with the kids from five o'clock until bedtime. And because my oldest, I mean, for example, tonight, he's not done with basketball practice until 9 p.m. So, you know, when when you have a almost 11-year-old, like, they don't go to bed till like 9 or 9.30. So I have hours and hours and hours with him every night. So then it, then it's like mom time, mom duty. Um, and yeah, that's, that's like a fairly typical day. And then there are days where I don't wake up at 4 o'clock, and in which case I don't get that extra couple of hours in for work. And I might have to work a little bit later than 5 o'clock. I don't think I've ever seen four o'clock in the morning. And oh my God, <laughs> so lucky. There are times where I try to sleep in, but you know, with, when his alarm goes off, I'm just like, oh, well, I guess I'm getting up now. I guess I'm getting up. Yeah. And especially with a little one, um, are you, are you getting enough sleep? I think so. I mean, we go to bed really early. If we're not going out, like we're in bed by 9:45 or 10 o'clock. Wowzers. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. we sound like really old people. I'm only 41. I don't know. It's too soon to be living this kind of lifestyle, but hey, that's where we are. 
if it works, it works, right? It's working for now. Let's, let's say that, you know, I'm not sure that it, how sustainable it is, but that's where we are right now. Which is fine. Okay. Now I have to ask, what's a nature preschool? You said to run around the forest with sticks. <laughs> That's exactly, so it's like this very Scandinavian model of education. I mean, he's five, so he doesn't, he doesn't start kindergarten until September. Uh, like he just turned five. And yeah, they basically, um, they just run through this thing called the nature center in the town that we live in. And um, they honestly, I'm not entirely sure what they do apart from like negotiate Lord of the Flies, you know, type survival um techniques they really i mean they're looking at ponds and exploring the forest and you know discussing like of course they incorporate like math and science and reading into everything that they do i mean but that is his preschool and so he's gonna have like a real harsh reality check when he goes to like real public school in the fall and he'll be like oh i have to sit down and like not hit other people they don't hit each other with sticks obviously but um yeah it's this really cool like like i said scandinavian nature inspired preschool and i'm like just so lucky that that he gets to be a part of it that is pretty cool that is you know and that's one of the things about um so do your other kids go to public school yes okay so that's one of the things that i wish was totally different about public school is that they kind of have that kind of I don't know what you call it, free range learning environment. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't so structured and organized. Yeah. Even though if they kind of had like the nature center from, you know, preschool to 12th grade, then they would, would not be okay in the real world. Right. Right. <laughs> but, right. right. But like, it's like, I feel like until they're six or seven, like it, they just don't need as much structure as they have in these, you know, it's like test, 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 you know, form, 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 like homework, homework, homework. It's like, my God, they're six, seven, eight years old. I just, I understand why they have to do it. I understand the common core, why it exists and all that stuff. But it sort of breaks my heart a little bit that they have to be like so regimented by the time they're like five or six. Mine too. Mine too. Maybe that'll change. Maybe. We'll see. I'm uh, betting on free ed college education first. So we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be um, if that ever happens. All right. So next I want to ask, now you said that you do the, um, some sort of activity kind of every day or, uh, you know, that's like just for you because you have to stay active. Is that your version of self-care or do you have like another thing that you do for self-care? Um, I would say that is my version of self-care that, and, um, I really take like five minutes at the end of every day to like really wash my face and like really cleanse and really just try to take that moment to, um, indulge myself. Um, and just be like, I don't know, it's, there's just like me and my products that I love and the smells and, and, you know, I'm not like taking like a full on bath and that is just like, not just not something I can, I can't fit in 30 minutes at the end of every day, but I can fit in this like five minutes of like really treating my 41 year old skin <laughs> well. Um, but really it's the workouts that I would consider my self care, especially the yoga, um, which has become such an important part of my life over the past five or six years. And, um, and then tennis, which makes me feel really connected to like my, you know, teenage self where, um, that was a sport that I just, I played a lot. I played in college and I really, 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 um, I love it. And hitting the shit out of the tennis ball is really the most therapeutic thing you can possibly do. To me, that's like the greatest form of self-love and self-care. <laughs> whacking that ball real <laughs> as hard as you can. Real hard. 
yeah I bet so all right well so what advice would you give aspiring mompreneurs mothers who want to start their business but maybe too afraid to or don't think that it's the right time what advice would you give to those moms um to to get started well I don't think that there's ever a right time I don't believe in waiting for the right time. I believe in going for it and figuring it out as you go along. I believe in listening to your gut and you might not understand exactly why you're headed in this direction until later, but my gut has often served me well and it's kind of pushed me to do things before I actually felt ready. so I would say go for it, but start small and just don't, don't bite off more that you can chew. You know, I, I, at least this is, I mean, I think it depends on your risk profile as like a human being and what your financial risk profile is as well. And I'm like very conservative. And so I just wanted to start again with like a lot of integrity and a lot of intention. I never wanted to do anything that was rushed or not right or not really well done. So I started small and I just, but I went for it. Um, and I didn't, um, I didn't, I didn't ever doubt that there was like value to what I was doing. So I would say, I don't know if that's like really helpful advice. Um, but those are some of the things that, that I believe in. So I liked it and I just wrote down, start small and go for it. I love it. (laughs) Yes. All right. Now for all the moms out there listening, like where can we find you online if we want to think about getting a video made with all of the photos that the the 3000 photos I have in my phone? (laughs) Well, the photos, that's the easy part. You know, you can like get all those apps to make those automatic um, photo books for you. But the, it's the videos that I think people really struggle with the most. And that's where we find the most magic, you know, the most, the most magical memories and moments come from. Anyway, um, you can find us, our website is www.smittenfilms.com. And you can find us on Instagram. We are at Smitten Films and we're also Smitten Films on Facebook. you so much for tuning in and listening to my podcast today and hearing my story where I am trying to inspire moms to get back to business. See you next week. Hello and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Moms Back to Business Podcast. This is your host, Kanitha, and this is episode 17. All right, y'all, we're just trucking along here. And today I have a special interview with one of my favorites, Raven Hoquette. Raven Hoquette is a serial entrepreneur. She is a nine to five business coach for people who want to quit their jobs and start their own businesses and become entrepreneurs and she has been very successful in doing that over the past um, nine years I believe that is. She's also into real estate and she's also just launched a group called Paid at Home Moms which is also helping moms to become entrepreneurs or at least get that other stream of income. So I'm super excited to hear all the valuable content that she has and that she'll share with us on this podcast guys. So let's go ahead and take a listen to the interview.